Every man desires to be happy. That's what one of the most famous Christians in the last 2,000 years said. Around the year 400 AD, St. Augustine, a name you may or may not have heard of, said that every man, in fact, every person, desires to be happy. It's true, isn't it? In fact, even if I haven't met you, I would bet that almost everything you did this week was out of a desire to be happy. You ate that food, or you chose that drink, you texted those friends, you watched that show, you clicked on that link, you <laughs> tuned in to that latest series because it made you happy. In fact, I bet even the stuff you do that doesn't make you happy in the moment, you do because you desire to be happy. You go to work because you want money that will make you happy. You save money or invest it instead of spending it because you want to be happy. You say no to the soda or to the Skittles or to the six scoops of ice cream because you know tomorrow you'll feel good and it'll make you happy. So here's my question for you. Is it working? As you think about all the choices that you've made, have they made you happy? I'm curious of your answer to that question because if you're watching this video on your phone or on your tablet or on your computer, you're probably one of those people on our planet who should be happy. You probably have more time, more money, more toys, more resources than most people on planet Earth do. So, are you happy? If you're not, why do you think you're not happy? And if you are happy, do you think that happiness will last? Or here's another question. If you're a Christian like me, should you even care? Does God care more about the right things that you believe and the right ways that you behave than some right feeling that we call happiness? Is that even a, a biblical thing? Well, the great Christian author C.S. Lewis thought so. I tracked on this interesting quote that he said on happiness. It is a Christian duty, C.S. Lewis said, for everyone to be as happy as he can. <laughs> it's not just icing on the cake, he claimed. It's a Christian duty for you and for me to be as happy as we can. So, what does God think about all this? Does God agree with C.S. Lewis? Should you and I, as Christians, care about the pursuit of happiness? Well, here's God's answer. In Psalm 68, verse 3, we find these words. But may the righteous be glad and rejoice before God. May they be happy and joyful. That's a lot of happiness packed into one verse, right? Be glad, rejoice, be happy, and be joyful. Apparently, God wants you to be happy. And that's what I want to talk to you about this week. If St. Augustine was right that you and I and every human being desires to be happy, how do we get happiness? How do we find gladness that doesn't slip through our fingers? What should we seek? What, what should we do? What path should we choose that leads to the maximum amount of happiness? Because that's what our Father in Heaven wants. Now, here's the promise I'll make to you. I, I promise I won't give some paste on a smile, everything's great with life kind of happiness. The Bible's a really honest book that talks about grief and loss and sin and death. So we're not going to go down that path. We're going to talk about real biblical happiness. And we're not going to cut any corners. We're not going to look for short-term pleasure and doing things that God says isn't right. We're going to look for the best God-pleasing happiness 
that the Bible has to offer. So let me give you a little preview today. According to this passage, and according to the whole Bible, the best place to find happiness is with the presence of the right person. Let me put it this way. Uh, Let's say you have a bunch of credit card debt. Maybe you do. (laughs) Let's say you've had a really tough week. Maybe you have. Let's say your significant other or your kids are stressing you out. It's very likely that they are (laughs) and that they will. But what if the right person walked into the room right now? Like, what if your closest friend surprised you and showed up at the office? What if a loved one that you haven't seen in forever knocked on the front door and there they were? What would happen if you're having a tough day and for some reason your dog came running into the room, tail wagging? What would you do? I bet their presence in that moment would have the power to make you happy. Even if you still had the stress, even if you still had the debt, even if your physical health wasn't perfect, if the right person is present in the room, it changes us emotionally. So here's my question. What if God was that person? I love this passage that spoke about so much happiness. It says, May the righteous be glad and rejoice, here it is, before God. What if God walked into the room today? What if because of Jesus' forgiveness and your faith in him as your savior, God was present? The God who's better than dogs and best friends and significant others and perfect families. What if the source of real happiness was simply the pursuit of God? That's the idea I want to explore with you this week. You desire to be happy and so do I and God wants to give you as much happiness as possible in the pursuit of him. So, if you're into life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, let's seek God together. But first, let's pray. Dear God, you put that desire in our heart to crave pleasure and happiness and rest and contentment. And you know the perfect place where to find it. I ask you that you give me wisdom as I teach this week, Heavenly Father, that we could fix our eyes on you that we could seek you with all of our heart and soul and mind and strength. And when we could see you, it would satisfy our souls. Help us to be happy, to rejoice, to be glad, just because you're simply in the room. We pray for open eyes and open hearts to realize the power of your presence. And we pray it all in Jesus' name. Amen. I have a confession to make. I get a little bit infatuated with celebrities. I don't mean like creeping outside of Justin Bieber's window, kind of infatuated. I haven't done that in months. (laughs) My wife says though I get a little bit starstruck and I'm really interested in the headlines of USA Today. And here's why. I'm always curious to see if celebrities are happy. That's a big topic we've been trying to tackle together this week, how to find happiness. And if there's anyone in our culture that should be happy, you would think it would be them. Many of us assume if we could put on a little bit more muscle and lose a few more pounds, we'd be super happy. Or if we didn't have credit card debt and we can move into a nicer home with a better backyard and a greater kitchen, we'd be happy. We'd assume if we wouldn't have these financial pressures, if we could go on great vacations, if we fell in love with a beautiful person, we'd be happy. And so here are these celebrities. 
and they have the looks, and they have the likes, and they have the pleasures, and they have the trips. So the, the question I'm curious about is, are they happy? And I haven't done any personal interviews. Uh, they won't return my phone calls. <laughs> but here's what I seem to get from the headlines. Not really. There's just as much anxiety and depression and fear and frustration among the rich and famous as there is among you and me. In fact, it's crazy to me how many celebrities battle addiction. They turn to pills or to drugs or to alcohol for some temporary high when you think all the stuff they have would give them the high that they're looking for. It seems that the pursuit of happiness isn't an easy path to find. And that's actually what an ancient celebrity said, too. In the Old Testament, King Solomon was like a, a celebrity. He was rich, famous, he was wise, he had the, the women, the wealth, the wine, everything. But in this book of the Bible we call Ecclesiastes, he said this, Meaningless, meaningless, utterly meaningless, everything is meaningless. <laughs> Solomon tried to be happy in a thousand different ways and it didn't work. Yeah, it made him happy for a little bit, but when he looked back and reflected, he found that it was meaningless. True happiness, lasting happiness, wasn't found in all the stuff that celebrities get. Now, you might never be rich and famous or have a, a billion Instagram followers, but that's really important for you to know, too. Because there's this temptation that you and I face to think, if we just got fill-in-the-blank, we'd definitely be happy. But life doesn't work that way. You pray for the, the right grades to get into college and you get it and the acceptance letter makes you so happy. And then there's the pressure of exams and the competition of sports and the crazy dating life on college campus and you're not so happy. You think if you had more money and made more money, you'd be so happy. But then you get the job and there's the pressures and the demands and the mandatory overtime from your boss and you're not so happy. You think that if you could just meet the one and fall in love and have the wedding and the Instagram pictures and get pregnant and have a family, you'd be so happy. But then you have a kid and he doesn't want to sleep. And you need counseling for a struggling relationship and you're not as happy as you would assume. You see, just like celebrities find and just like King Solomon found, happiness is not easy to hold on to. Which is why there's only one real place where happiness lasts, with God. There's this incredible passage in the book of Deuteronomy, chapter 33. It says, the eternal God is your refuge. I love that idea. You could be happy. You could run into the safe, happy place, your refuge, because God is not just God. He's the eternal God. He's the God that doesn't come and go, the God that doesn't make you happy one day and sad the next. He's just consistently loving and accepting and gracious and merciful. And because God's love is eternal and it never ends, it has the ability to make us so, so happy. I actually thought of that last night. My second-born daughter, Maya, and I have this really sweet tradition that I love. We have this little journal where we write back and forth to each other. And the stuff in that little blue book is pretty private and I couldn't tell you what's all in there, but I can tell you this, that we talk about the stuff that makes us happy and the stuff that makes us sad. What makes us afraid and nervous, I write to her and she writes back to me. 
But at the bottom of those little pages, there's always a, a Bible passage that the makers of the journal put. And guess what passage I saw last night? Deuteronomy 33. The eternal God is your refuge. <laughs> and I circled that word eternal and I put a big arrow down to it because I know whatever my daughter's going through, whatever I'm going through, whatever makes me worried or nervous or afraid, that's the answer. The eternal God is our refuge. Only God's presence can make us happy. And it's true for you too. Because Jesus gave his life for the sins of the world, the door is open. You can run to that refuge. You can rejoice and be glad and be happy before God because he's the one place that you can always go to. He'll never leave you and never forsake you. He is the eternal God and he is your refuge. So, I don't know if you'll ever be as famous as Justin Bieber. I don't know if you'll ever have as much wisdom as King Solomon, but I do know this. There's a place where all of us can be as happy as possible in the presence of God. Let's pray. Uh, Jesus, thank you so much for opening the door so that God could be our refuge. That nothing in our past or present or future, none of our sin or the embarrassing choices that we've made would lock the door so that we couldn't get there. Thank you that we can be happy even if life is a mess right now because we have God and the eternal God is all we need. May that make us content. We're asking God that that would make us happy today. And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Apparently, I can be kind of a jerk as a dad. <laughs> That's what some people say when I tell them this story. Now, whenever my daughters and I go to the store and of course they want to walk up and down the toy aisles, They'll always ask me the classic kid question, Oh, Daddy, can we get this? And I always ask them two questions. The first question is, Well, sweetie, do you think that would make you happy? <laughs> and their answer is always, of course, a hard yes. Yes, Daddy, yes, Daddy, yes, they make us so happy. And that's when I pull the second question on them, what some people think is the mean question. It's just a two-word question, and it goes like this. How long? I'm sure that would make you happy for a little bit, but how long? How long would that toy, that, that purchase, that little gift bring you joy? And my girls kind of lose the smile on their face because <laughs> they know I have a thousand toys in the toy room that can be used as evidence that the latest purchase doesn't make you happy for very long. So, what do you think? Am I a bad dad? <laughs> Maybe a little bit mean and yeah, sometimes I spoil my kids with toys that are temporary. But really what I'm trying to do is prepare my daughters for adult life. See, it doesn't matter if you're 10 or 11 or 20 or 21 or 41 or 62. That same temptation always leads us away from God. Something that we think we need, it's going to make us so happy. And we just haven't asked the question, for how long? There's a lot of great things in life and God isn't opposed to us getting them, but, but sometimes we're so focused on those temporary bits of pleasure that we forget the source and the spring, the place to find true happiness, which is in the presence of God. That's why I love the Apostle Paul. He taught me to be happy and I'm trying to pass his teaching on to my daughters. He said that on the good days and the bad days when he had plenty to eat and nothing at all, when he had all the toys in his possession and when there was nothing but his 
fingerprints in his hands. He could be happy. Maybe you've heard Philippians chapter 4. Paul says, Rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. He goes on to say, Don't be anxious about anything. And then he mentions this peace of God that goes beyond understanding. He says that he's learned the secret of being content in any and every circumstance. And guess what he says right in the middle of that amazing section? He's rejoicing always. He's learned to be content. He has this crazy peace. I love this little line at the end of verse 5. He says, The Lord is near. Paul believed in the Lord, in this amazing God, a God who is better than, than toys and relationships and funny videos on the internet and the latest Gotta Watch It series on Netflix. He believed in God. And Paul believed that because of Jesus' death, because of his resurrection from the dead, that Lord was near. And Paul knew that he had had something that no store could sell him. He had the source and the spring, the secret of true happiness. One old Christian put it this way. He said, God is the author of all true happiness. God is the maintainer of all true happiness. God is the center of all true happiness. Therefore, the person who has God is the only happy man in the world. I want you to think about that this week. When you're tempted to sin, when you're about to cross that line and say something you shouldn't or, or do something that God doesn't want you to do, I want you to think about God. Not some little God, but some amazing God, a God who's big enough and beautiful enough and creative enough and kind enough to actually make you happy. Because if that kind of God fills your heart, you've learned the secret of being content. You know the spiritual power source to say no to sin and you have found out the path that is the true pursuit of happiness. So I'm praying for you today that you wouldn't just believe in God, but a God who is big enough to make you happy. Let's pray. Oh God, if you pulled back the veil, if you opened our eyes to see you, everything in this life would seem so small and unworthy of our happiness. We can't see you face to face just yet and so we're praying for spiritual eyes to see that as great as food and entertainment and friends and family are, that you are so much more. As Paul said today, help us to rejoice in you. Help us to be able to answer those two questions that you, God, would make us happy. For how long? Forever. Because you are the eternal God and because of Jesus, you're ours. We pray this in our Savior's name. Amen. I have always been a lover of Broadway. Just the way I was raised. Uh, my mom, my dad, my older brother took me to shows, Phantom of the Opera, Les Mis, Joseph and his amazing Technicolor Dreamcoat. I've heard the songs. I bought the CDs back in the day. I love Broadway musicals. And I still do. I met my wife who loves musicals and now we're raising two daughters who adore musicals. In fact, in my house, I'm the breakfast guy. So when I'm making toast or cereal <laughs> or some other gourmet entree, we always have the musical playlist going on in our home in the background. One of the things that I find really interesting about musicals, though, is what they teach us about being happy. I'm always curious of the, the storyline. If St. Augustine was right that every person desires to be happy, what do the people in these shows, the writers who come up with these plots and scripts, tell us about happiness? 
Uh, I think about the mega-hit musical Hamilton. Have you heard of it? Here's Alexander Hamilton. He's this orphan from some island, and he escapes poverty and becomes one of America's founding fathers. And yet he's still not happy. He survives the craziness of the Revolutionary War when so many people died. And yet he's still not happy. He meets this woman and falls in love with her. They, they have a child, an amazing kid, but he's still not happy. He's rich, he's famous, he's influenced the founding of this nation in so many ways, but as his wife sings to him in one song, you will never be satisfied. And he wasn't. And his lack of happiness pushed him to work hours that he shouldn't have worked, to spend too much time away from his wife, and he ended up in the arms of another woman. Not being happy made him really sad. And then there's Dear Evan Hansen. You heard of that one? Stunning music, an amazing story. It's about this kid who isn't happy. His parents divorced, his dad took off in the moving truck, and his mom is doing her best. She's a single mom who works long hours to pay the bills and just doesn't have the time and attention that her son needs. And so he comes up with this grandiose lie to get love and affection from another family. And he's so, so happy until the lie gets exposed and everything falls apart and he loses friendships and their affection and all the love that he had at first received. And in my opinion, the musical is, is heartbreaking because at the end, when his mom finds out how he really felt, sad enough to try to commit suicide, she makes him this promise that she's going to be there. Except if you think about it, she can't keep the promise. Her family isn't perfect. She has to work those hours to pay the bills. And, and the musical just left me sad, thinking, I don't know if he's going to be happy. Yeah, every time I see a musical with my wife, I have this kind of annoying habit. As soon as the, the final note is played, I look at her with big eyes and I say, that was about God. Of course, that's what the the pastor says, right? But, but I think about that. This is not just what Broadway, but what the Bible teaches. That's about God. It's about people who want to be happy and they're looking down all the wrong paths to find it. Sometimes sinful paths like adultery and lying. Sometimes good paths that just can't satisfy like fame and money and romance. They look for happiness in things that don't endure instead of in the only one who does. That's why today I don't want to give you lyrics from a Broadway musical. I want to give you verses from a Bible chapter. In Psalm 136, we find these incredible words. God's love endures forever. That desire that these characters have for something to endure forever, you can't find it in the things of this life, but God's love endures forever. And apparently that's so important for you to know. If you can see my Bible, it doesn't just show up in chapter verse 1 or verse 2 or 3 or 4 or 5 or 6 or 7 or 8 or 9 or 10. His love endures forever is repeated 26 times in just this one chapter of the Bible. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. God planting that seed and watering it until it grows in your heart because he wants you to be happy. 
So maybe like the people in the Broadway musicals, your life is far from perfect. Maybe you're an orphan. Maybe you're the victim of adultery. Maybe you feel the stress of your job. Maybe you've lost a kid. And maybe you've told lies and there are consequences to your sin and you've lost people's trust. Maybe your parents' marriage didn't make it and you feel lonely and unloved. Well, you don't have to feel that way because his love endures forever. Now, Victor Hugo, the guy who wrote the book Les Mis, he had this amazing quote that comes up in the musical. He says, The supreme happiness of life consists in the conviction that one is loved. The highest level of happiness that you can get comes from knowing at the end of every day you're loved. And because of Jesus, you can know that. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. His love endures forever. At least that's what I learned from The Lion King. <laughs> After the closing note of the musical, I said to my wife, that was about God. And she didn't believe me. So here's what I said. Think of Simba, the son of Mufasa. He's betrayed by someone he thinks that he can trust and he ends up, what everyone thinks, is dead until he comes back. And he fights against the roaring lion, his uncle Scar. He brings life and light back to the kingdom. Sound familiar? <laughs> Here's Jesus, our savior. He is the son of the king, the son of God. He's betrayed by one of his friends and people just don't think he's dead. He actually is dead until the third day. Until Jesus comes back from the grave, he fights against the devil, the roaring lion. He scatters the darkness of shame, embarrassment, sin. He conquers death and he brings light and life back to the kingdom of God. Come on, I was right, wasn't I? <laughs> it's all about Jesus because his light, his life, his love, it endures forever. So if you're like me and you desire to be happy, don't look for it in the things of Broadway. Look for it in the truths of the Bible that because of Jesus, God's love for you endures forever. Let's pray. God, thank you for love that doesn't quit. Love that's not scared off by the messiness of life. Love that isn't nullified by our struggles and messiness and sin. Thank you, God, for love that endures forever. And thank you for not hiding that passage in one obscure verse, but repeating it so many times until we'd actually believe it, that your love will never fail us. We thank you for that love. And we pray that today it would make us happy. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I hate the morning. <laughs> I'm not sure how God wired you, but I can stay up at night and read books and grow in my faith. But the morning, it's just not my thing. My wife wakes up and she runs five miles and she reads her Bible and she gets dressed and looks beautiful. <laughs> gets ready for the day before I'm halfway conscious. But there's one part about my mornings that I really love. It's the prayer that I pray every single day. Uh, habits are amazing because my, my brain somehow remembers to do this before my eyes are barely open. Before I escape the warmth of the sheets, I pray a single verse from the Bible almost every day. And here's the verse. Psalm 90 verse 14. Moses wrote, Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love that we may sing for joy and be glad 
all our days. I love that passage because of what we've been talking about this week. It's about joy, it's about gladness, it's about happiness, and I love the wording. It says, satisfy us. Like, God, I want today to be enough. That's what the word satisfy means. I don't want to feel empty. I don't want to need more. I want to have enough to be happy today. And I love that it doesn't say satisfy me. It says satisfy us. I think about my wife and I think about my daughters. I think about our church and I think about my friends. And I don't want them to be worried or anxious or empty. I want them to be satisfied just like me. Satisfy us. And I love this line, in the morning. Like, I don't want to wait till lunchtime to be happy, God. I don't want to wait till just before work is over or the end of the day with my bedtime prayer. Like, right now as I'm starting the day, I want to have enough. I want to be happy and I want that gladness to be so great that I sing for joy and I'm glad all of my days. It's an amazing prayer, huh? But did you catch the part I left out? Here's the best part. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. The only way that the Bible knows to truly satisfy your heart is with something that doesn't fail. His love endures forever, Psalm 136 said. The eternal God is your refuge, Deuteronomy 33 said. Rejoice in the Lord always because he is near, the Apostle Paul said. It's only when you tap into something unfailing, something eternal and guaranteed, that you can really have happiness in the morning that doesn't let you go for the entire day. So sometimes when I'm sitting in bed, I I think through my day and I ponder all the things that could fail me. Like, maybe the hot water is used up in the shower and it fails. (laughs) Maybe I'm running behind and I miss breakfast and it fails. Maybe the traffic is backed up or someone slides into my car in the Wisconsin winter and it fails. Maybe someone's mad at me at church and they send an email and that's how I start my day when I walk into the office and their kindness fails. Maybe my stomach hurts and my body fails. Maybe my head aches and it all fails. A thousand things could go wrong in this world except for this. Satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. And that's when I have this heart-to-heart with God. God, whatever happens today, you will love me. You've made a promise when Jesus died on the cross for my sins that your love will endure forever. So in those moments of my day when something is bound to fail, help me not to remember what failed, but the one thing that never will. And today I want to pray, uh, encourage you to pray that same prayer. Whether you prayed in bed or prayed in the car, wherever you are, God, satisfy me right now with your unfailing love. Help me to remember how amazing it is to know that I'm loved by God himself. That, friends, is the source of true satisfaction. That's how you can rejoice and be glad and sing for all of your days. Let's pray. Uh, Dear God, we would love it if nothing failed today. If our relationships and our health and our commute and our job and everything would be perfect. That'd be amazing, God. But we know you haven't promised that. And we know after the fall into sin, life is rarely like that. And so we pray today for that rock, that refuge of your unfailing love. 
We prayed for ourselves, we prayed for our family and friends, we prayed for all of your people that you would satisfy us right now, that we could be glad and be happy. God, you planted that desire in our heart that all of us want to feel that way. And now you've given us the only way that it's possible, through your unfailing presence and love. I pray that you would open the eyes of our heart that we could see you and be satisfied with you. And I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey friends, you may or may not know that Time of Grace Ministries is 100% donor supported. You know what that means? We wouldn't be here without you. At all. Thank you. We're so grateful for the ways that you allow us to encourage others with the word of God and if God would move you in your heart to be able to, or to do that again, we'd, uh, we'd be so grateful. Click on the link below and you'll find more opportunities to support the ministry. Hey, it's Amber L.B. Swenson. You might remember when my podcast, Little Things, was right here on Grace Talks. Or maybe you've never heard of me. Either way, I want to invite you to listen to Little Things, which is now its own podcast. We take a look at little things and little ways that we can change our thinking to know and love God more. So please check out Little Things wherever you listen to your podcasts.